Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Good morning. Good to see each one of you here on this beautiful fall day. You know it's fall when I got up early this morning to, to go get the newspaper and there was ice on my windshield. I said, what happened? You know, but anyway, it's, it's coming. Uh, we're always glad to see each one of you here and especially if you're a visitor, you will find a little tab there in your bulletin where you can uh, take that off and uh, put your name and your address and uh, just information so we can re, uh, know that and call you and encourage you to come back. So if you'll do that, and also you know of our care ministry, is there anything, uh, anybody that can be blessed by uh, our knowledge and care of uh, a sickness or a desire for a church home or a neighbor you know that needs some ministry? Please write that down and put that in the offering plate. That helps us to continue that good work. Um, if you look in your bulletin, I think it was handed out, a week of prayer for lay-led spiritual renewal. I want you to study this carefully. And in my Sunday school class this morning, I told, you know, the most wonderful thing about all this, all these people that are involved, and you see their names for the different three different services, circle this on your calendar and say you're going to be a part of this. The most wonderful thing about this as a pastor, I see it after 50 years of ministry, is I had absolutely nothing to do with this. Ain't that great? <laughs> this was totally lay-driven. And that's wonderful. You've got that many people that want to share and be a part of a service, and it wasn't driven by the preacher. You know, then that's a good thing. You have some uh, devotional thoughts that Wesley and I put down together there to think about each day. Uh, just take those days and, and be serious about coming and, and hearing from uh, your church family. Also this Saturday, How to Hear the Voice of God, uh, uh, Alice Cullinan will be leading that. And if you see at the bottom of one of our pages, I tend uh, to... Uh, I, I want to attend How to Hear the Voice of God on October 11th. That's from 9 to 11. Carol and I are planning to go to that. We, we have some more coming. I think we're getting a pretty good number now. So just please just rip that off, put your name on there, so we'll know how many to prepare for. That's this Saturday. Remember, of course, the survival kit, Sunday evening Bible study. We're continuing uh, studying the church when God builds a church. The baby showers are listed in the bulletin. Uh, Crest High Chamber Orchestra next Sunday at 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. That I think that would be a, a good group to come support. Um, so please keep that in mind. Uh, Wesley is away with his family today, which is fine. And uh, the last of my announcements is... Um, this is Paul Edder's birthday, and he's 35 today, so y'all give him a hand. Oh, uh, memories. Okay, no. Yeah, no, 35 was a few years ago. Um, if take your bulletin, please. We're going to be singing a, a new song, and I'd like for you just to sit and listen to it as I sing it through the first time. It's called Ancient Words, talking about what Scripture means to us in our lives. And then I'm going to ask you to uh, join me in singing with it.
Turn to number five. Uh, sorry, excuse me, fifty-seven. If you will only let God lead you, He will show you the directions that you need to go. Hymn fifty-seven. Oops, did I say it wrong? Fifty-six. Yeah, it's that old age that I've got. Fifty-six. Right across the page. Sorry about that. Let's bow together. Lord, this morning as we share from your word in 1 Samuel about a great victory was won because the people depended on you. And then Samuel wanted to put up a stone of remembrance that he would never forget, the people would never forget what, Lord, you had done for them. Father, I know that there are many people here this morning who can look back in the past and they can remember times. They can remember events. They can remember special people they met. They can remember special strength from you in times of testing. They can remember Lord, help us never to forget. And help us to know, Lord, that your protection and your help is not just for the past. It's for the future. 
And help us to know, Lord, that that saving grace, that strength from you, that presence of your spirit and your word and your truth can see us through, can help us, strengthen us, inspire us, embolden us, and help us not to forget these things. Bless this service, what we share, what we sing, what we experience, that, Lord, you may speak to your, our hearts about what we need to hear. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Back earlier in our country, they used to have what was called camp meetings or brush arbor, arbor meetings, where in the, especially in the rural areas, they would go and they would have like a revival service. And in that, they would sing songs that uh, people didn't have words or, or hymnals or anything in front of them, so they would sing familiar songs, and sometimes they would add a little tag along with it. We're going to do something similar to that. If you take your hymnals and turn to number 15, I double-checked this time, it is 15, and we are going to sing, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. But in the bulletin, you will see that there's a little chorus that we're going to add to the end of the second and third stanzas called Come Thou Fount, Come Thou King. We have done this before, but just to kind of remind you how it goes. Let's stand as we sing, please. Would you please sing the melody all the way through?
Lord, you do bless us so richly and so well, so much beyond what we deserve. We thank you for this beautiful building that we can worship you. And at this time of offering, help us to give. Help us to give our tithe. Help us to give above and beyond the tithe that your kingdom may be furthered and that the name of Jesus may be spread. In his name we pray. Amen. Hear the words of 1 Samuel 7, 9 through 13. So Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offerings, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusions, and they were routed before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them as far as Bethkar. And Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Jeshanah and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Hitherto the Lord has helped us. 
So the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. further in the Old Testament, Israel had fought the Philistines in this very same spot in the scripture that June read for today. And at that particular time, Israel was full of idolatry and immorality, and they were frightened by the power of the Philistines, and they said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant into the camp. And if we bring the Ark of the Covenant, such a sacred object, certainly we will win the victory. So they did. They brought the Ark of the Covenant into the camp like it was some magic charm or fetish that would ensure them a victory, and it didn't. <laughs> they got beat. Some people do that today. I'm okay. I got baptized when I was 12. I'm all right. My mom and daddy are members of a church. Or my grandfather founded a church many years ago. Or I try to be a good person. That's their little fetish. That's their, their comfort zone. Or I go to church. That is not enough to ensure your place with God. It has to be a relationship with Him. 
a close relationship. Well, if you look at the beginning of the seventh chapter, the people had drifted far from the Lord again, and Samuel <clears throat> asked them to repent. And they did. And the spiritual climate was different than the last time. And they gathered at great numbers at Mezpah to celebrate this new walk with God. And the Philistines saw this great mass of their enemy gathering together, and they saw it as a threat. And they gathered to do battle. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And as the scripture told us, the Philistines suffered a great defeat. And what did Samuel do? He said, I want to commemorate this great victory. I will set up a stone of remembrance that a great victory has been won and the Lord helped us. The setting, my friends, of memorial stones was one of the earliest methods of recording important events. Sometimes it was a single block of stone that was carved into some kind of obelisk or something else. Sometimes it was a heap of smaller stones all set together. Sometimes this particular stone would receive a name that was significant to whatever happened there. Sometimes it was marked with a brief inscription. You see this all through the Bible. Genesis 28, 8. Genesis 31, 5. Exodus 17, 15. Joshua 4, 9. The hymn we sang this morning. Come thou fount of every blessing. Second verse says, Hither I raise, here I raise my Ebenezer, and hither by thy help I come, and I hope by my, thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. We were in staff meeting, and, and Wesley said, I've always wondered what an Ebenezer is. <laughs> Song that, what's he talking about? I raise my Ebenezer. What is an Ebenezer? That's the name Samuel put on the stone when Israel won a great victory. And what Ebenezer means in the language of that day was a stone of help or this is a witness that the Lord has helped us. So that's what it means. And folks, we still raise memorials. We do outward invisible things to mark milestones and important events. You go around this country and you see innumerable plaques and monuments, historical markers, Dot the landscape. My wife and I have done a lot of traveling, especially in North Carolina, and we see these everywhere. We always want to stop and read it, and we haven't got time, so we try to read it as we're going. You know, you ever try to do that? <laughs> kind of get the idea, maybe. But they're everywhere, commemorating great people, great events, sacrifices, battles, maybe in the Civil War or some other thing, so that these things and people won't be forgotten. One of my treasured memories of my childhood was when I was about 12 years old, my mother and father and my two brothers, we went to Washington. That was going to be our big vacation. We were going to go to Washington and see the sights, never been there before, and then on the way back go by the Outer Banks. And I remember as a young boy that to me, Washington was a place full of monuments. Everywhere you turned, there were these big monuments. Lincoln and Washington and Jefferson and all kinds of different monuments to different people, lawmakers and so forth. They just seem to be everywhere. Later on, when uh, my brother went to Vietnam, we made a special trip to go see the Vietnam Memorial. And that was a stirring thing. The, the uh, memorial to the uh, Korean War. Later on, when I got an interest in the Civil War, I went to Gettysburg. That town is full of monuments of a different companies of the north and south and commanders and where they fell, they're just everywhere all over that battleground. Lest we forget, not long ago, a new one was made in Washington, the World War II Memorial. I went to see that. It was just awe-inspiring, huge. If you go to Europe, you see all kinds of places, columns and streets and squares and boulevards and bridges named after battles and people and events, all kinds of memorials. One that was special that I remember 
Not too long ago, I got involved in Emmaus. Some of you may know what Emmaus is. And uh, we were going to have an Emmaus retreat at Camp Loy White. They had never been to Camp Loy White before. And I thought, what a strange name for a camp. But I went up there and I found out why it was named Loy White. Loy White was a young boy that was killed in a car wreck when he was 16. And some benefactors made that camp, and there's a big portrait of him at the, at the conference center up there. Young, good-looking boy, 16 years old, killed in a car wreck, Camp Loy White. There's even a big monument up in Hollis, of all places. I didn't think anything was there. Big old thing. It's an obvious thing for World War I. And you can see it up there near the fire department. The people of Bible would set up these memorials. And the memorial was, had a message to it. Usually it was to remember the faithfulness of God. <clears throat> you remember Jacob at Bethel. He was fleeing from the wrath of Esau. He thought he was all alone. He was frightened for his life. And he lay down in the wilderness to sleep on a stone. And he had that vision. You remember the vision of the angels coming up and down Jacob's ladder? We sing that song. We are climbing Jacob's ladder. And he woke up the next morning and he realized <clears throat> that God was still with him. God had not deserted him. And he said, I'm going to make a memorial. And I'm going to make a memorial to the greatness of God that he's still with me. And he called the stone Bethel, house of God, that God is still with me. This will be a stone of remembrance that God has not deserted me. <clears throat> In Joshua, the children of Israel were getting ready to go into the promised land. And God instructed them, when you step off on the far side of the Jordan going to the promised land, I want you to set up a memorial, memorial. And you remember the waters were pushed back. So he said, in the middle, I want you to set up a a memorial in the middle where the waters would come back together again. And on the far side, when your foot first touches the promised land, I want you to set up another memorial so that when your children ask, what do these stones mean? You'll be able to tell them. This is where God parted the water. This is where God showed us to cross into the promised land. When the people see this and they see these stones and they ask you, you will tell them. Memorials can even be things like feasts. The Jews still hold the Feast of Purim. And what does that recount? The deliverance by Queen Esther. You remember the story in the book of Esther, how she interceded for her people. And Haman, the wicked Haman, was about to kill them all. And she risked her own life. She came before the king and said, there's a plot afoot. Who is this wicked man? It's Haman. <laughs> and so the Jews hold that feast to remember the deliverance of God by the hand of God himself and Queen Esther. <clears throat> the Passover meal is still another memorial. What are they? Bitter herbs? Unleavened bread. Bitter herbs to remind them of bitter bondage. Unleavened bread to remind them the haste in which they left. The death angel passed over. And they remember, they don't want to forget. One of my favorite verses in the book of Job is Job 19.25. Where he, what does he say? Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were graven in a rock forever. Don't forget this. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last I will stand upon the earth. And after my flesh has been destroyed, I will still see my God. He wanted that remembered. He wanted what he said. I know that my Redeemer liveth. Stone of remembrance. Ebenezer that Samuel set up after a great victory over the Philistines. And that stone of remembrance bore no sign of a man's victory or conquest. It bore no sign of a leader's skill or a soldier's bravery. That stone of remembrance did not say the great captain Samuel was able to do all this. No. What did it say? Hitherto the Lord has helped us. Hitherto. What that means to me, my friends, it just does not happen to have a past meeting. God helped me years ago. God helped me through this. God helped me through that. But it has a future slant. He will continue to help me. 
He helped me against the Philistines, and he will do it again in the future. This stone was not a witness to Israel's prowess, but of the supernatural help of God. Now, what does this say to us? That's all maybe interesting, but like someone who uh, criticized sermons, so what? <laughs> How does that impact me and you? Folks, we need to be able to look back and reflect and be aware how God has helped us. And all of you have a different story. All of you have walked a different path. But you know, especially if you have been a Christian for a long time, you know when God has bent low in your life and when he has touched you in a special way. He has inspired you in a special way. He has strengthened you in a special way. He has helped you in a special way. And to be aware of that and don't forget that and be blessed by it. To be blessed to remember and see everywhere God's help. To think of his saving act in our lives. And that stone of remembrance in our lives should bear no name but one. Praise be to God who helped me. To remember God who helped you through that difficulty, inspired you, gave you strength, gave you wisdom, saved you from peril, preserved you, your loved ones, gave you strength to lose loved ones. God who leads us, God who helps us through difficulty, God who sometimes delivers us from vain confidence, who teaches us even in the difficulties of life and instructs us if we will listen, who teaches us humility and submission. We remember those times when God made a difference and it builds in us a spirit of gratitude. And a grateful person is a happy person. Let me ask you a question. Do you think much of God's providence do you think your life is just kind of haphazard and you can just go through life like drifting on an uh, ocean and you don't know which way the current's going? God's problems. Where you went to school? Who you married? The job you took or refused? Where you settled? That special friend you thought you met by chance? Is all that just haphazard? You remember the times when you were down and God helped you and a power lifted over you that you could not quite understand even yourself. When I lost my father and my brother 10 days apart, I can just remember that day, th those days. Our family went from five to three in a week and a half. And I remember... I had never been so close to God as I was then. I, I don't think I moved toward him, but brother, he moved toward me. I remember that. And I was kind of felt I just lifted over it on the other side. We look back over the passage of time and we can see more clearly how God has helped us. You know, sometimes they say 20, hindsight's 2020. It's like you walk down a trail that barely seems discernible. But when you get far back from it and you look back, you can see it clearly from a distance. Sometimes we look back and say, oh, yes, now I see. Now I understand how God helped me. And God helps us not just through victories and deliverance. He helps us through hardships. He helps us through trying times to teach us his truth, to teach us to lean on him even more. And there ought to be in your life and mine, my friends, many memorial stones. And it shouldn't be so far back from the last one. And we need Ebenezer's. Why do we need Ebenezer's? Because when the going gets rough, and it will, we can understand that's when God lifted me. That's when he taught me a great lesson. That's when his grace was sufficient for my every need. Maybe keep a diary. If you say, I ain't got time for a diary. Well, keep it on the tablets of your heart where you'll never forget it because God doesn't want you to forget it. 
I think stories are good. I remember when I was in preaching class many years ago, they said, tell many illustrations and make them as personal as possible so people can relate. So in closing, I want to tell you a story of how this was so true in my life. The first church I worked for pay was a church in Salisbury, North Carolina named Calvary Baptist Church. I think it was the year before I went to seminary. I was 23 years old, so I went down there for the summer. The kids were great. The pastor was great. His name was J.D. Wisnan. He had a daughter at, at school named Barbara Wisnan, a very good friend of mine. She, she requested that I come <clears throat> to her father, and he said yes, so I came. <clears throat> the pastor had a son. His name was Aaron Wisnett. Aaron was 17, 18 Aaron was a great kid. He was musical. He could play the organ. He played the organ for the church as young as he was. He couldn't decide whether he was going to go into church music or be a preacher. He had preached for his father's son. And he was a great guy, just full of personality. Everybody loved Aaron. <clears throat> Went to the, to the church, started. I'd been there two or three weeks. It was very, very, uh, very early in the summer. And I wanted to take the youth group down to where my mother and father lived on Lake Norman. This is a country church. You know, they didn't have a bus. They, all the parents loaded up the kids in their cars. They had about eight or nine cars full of kids. Followed me down to uh, the lake where my mom and dad lived. I got with the kids there in the living room, and I told them to be careful. Don't go over your head out there. I told them where there was the boat dock, and I said, now, don't get over there and take a step because it's dug out there where the boat comes in. If you take a step, you might be suddenly over your head. They said, okay. And then I went down. I went down to uh, the boat to take it over to fill it up with gas. Some of them wanted to go skiing. And just about the time I got out of earshot, Aaron was horsing around with his sister, and he was chasing her, and he got out into the deep water. And the ones that were there said, suddenly, he just went down. He didn't scream, he didn't yell, he didn't say, help me. He was swimming, and then he wasn't swimming. He, was, he wasn't there. People thought, well, he just, he just went under, he's coming back up. Well, he didn't come back up. And they started noticing he wasn't on, on the surface of the water. Where's Aaron? I'm over there pumping gas, not knowing this is going on. And then they panicked. And there, the, the kids were there. The parents were there. Everybody was there, you know, trying to get in there. Where is he? Finally, I come back with the boat, and they just yell at me. He's down. He's down there somewhere. And we started jumping in the water and swimming along the bottom. And I was the one that bumped into him, into his body, on the bottom. Brought him up to the surface. I knew he was gone. I knew it. He'd been down too long. And uh, we took him to the hospital. Of course, the family was called. At that moment, I felt, if anybody wants to blame me, I'll take it. And um, the pastor couldn't preach the next day. He asked me if I would, and I did. And then I preached how some people live more in 16 years and some people live in 60. And I tell you what, my dear friends, God was God to me in that time in several ways. Number one, that pastor came to me, and I told him, I said, listen, if you want me to leave, if you don't want me to come back, I'll understand, and that'll be it. He said, no, Jim, I don't blame you. It just happened. I want you to stay. You need to stay. The kids need you to stay. Of course, the upshot of it all was <clears throat> when they did the autopsy, there was no water in his lungs. Found out later, the kids that were in the car, he got, they were rolled the windows down, and he got stung by a bee on the cheek. His family had a strange reaction to bee stings, a history it was early summer. The water was cold. I think he went running in there with the cold water, and there was some kind of shock to his system with that poison of the bee, and his throat just closed shut like that. 
the doctor said he could have been standing in water waist deep, and I don't think he could have done anything. It was just a freak thing. So I stayed there the rest of that summer, and I do remember that, number one, that pastor loved me and let me stay there. The people loved me and let me stay there. And more important, God was there for me. He said, Jim, work with these people. Stay here. Love these people. And he let me know that he still loved me, and he had a work for me to do there. I will never forget that. Never. Nor should I. Because that's when God was real to me. He wasn't just an idea. He wasn't just a thought. He became father to me. Do you have some times like that? Think on it. Praise God for it. Let's bow together. Father, we pray that You'd help us not just to look forward to the future, but help us to look back. Help us to look where you touched us, you saved us. You gave us strength we thought we didn't have. You gave us wisdom we thought we didn't have. You gave us what we needed for a tough hour. You gave us what we needed, Lord, to keep on going. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Lord, you love us even more in the tough times. Maybe, Lord, we need to be thankful for our blessings. We need to be more aware of how you preserve us and how you've blessed us. And, Lord, help us just to be mindful of your grace. Father, if there be any here that want to come to this church from another or want to rededicate their lives, I want to accept you as Lord and Savior. Stand ready to receive those people at our time of invitation. These things we ask in thy name. Our invitation hymn is number 295, Near to the Heart of God. Let's stand. 295. bless each one of you. Father, we're thankful for so many times in the past when you helped us, instructed us, encouraged us, gave us wisdom, became real to us, touched our hearts in a special way. So many times, Lord, help us to look back, help us to think, help us to reflect,
Help us to give thanks and help us to walk forth in new faith. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.